Hello and welcome back to Eurofocus. On this week's podcast episode, we have all of this weekend's Premier League results, the Bundesliga title race, as well as a preview of all the Champions League second legs, following on from an interesting round of fixtures in the first legs recently. So to begin the episode, I think it's probably best to start with Sunday afternoon's fixture between Liverpool and Manchester United. And for any football fan out there, I think most can agree that I don't think anyone expected it to go the way that it did. I think, obviously, if I'm sure if most of you don't live under, under a rock, it was finished 7-0 to Liverpool. I thought they were fantastic throughout. It was, whilst still not, I've seen Gary Neville talking about it after, on Sky Sports, about how they can't get carried away with this result, which yet again is true. But I think uh, Liverpool were much like their old selves yesterday. I thought they were high energy from minute one. Manchester United, of course, were awful. I think they lacked any sort of energy and there, there was no there was no threat on the counter-attack, which is unusual for a Manchester United side, which have been so consistent on the counter-attack this season, obviously through the likes of Marcus Rashford, etc. But I thought Liverpool were fantastic. Nice to see Cody Gakpo get on the score sheet again, scoring two fantastic goals, the, the, the first of which I'd, I'd like to touch on with Andy Robertson's pass uh, for the goal. But yeah, it, it's brilliant to see Gakpo on the score sheet. I think he took a lot of unwarranted criticism in his early few weeks as a Liverpool player, of course being played out of position thanks to the in injury to Darwin Nunez in January. You know, He played as a centre-forward at times. And, uh, if, if any of you have watched Cody Gakpo before, he's whilst he, he's a brilliant finisher, he's a brilliant striker for football, He's not an out-and-out centre-forward and it was it was very naive for a lot to think that that was where he would be playing his football for Liverpool. Uh, coming off that left-hand side, he's been fantastic as we saw yesterday. A brilliant a brilliant touch before his finish into the bottom corner. But I thought he was fantastic and he's, he's an excellent player at working in in, in space. And he's, of course, he's not got bags and bags of pace, but he's got enough energy and pace about him to beat men and beat defenders one-on-one. -on -one as well as a, a brilliant right foot and also handy with his left foot, as you've seen by a number of his goals, especially the one for the Netherlands at the World Cup. But nice to see him and also Darwin Nunez on the score sheet. And Nunez himself has been a lot better in recent weeks. We, the, the, the talk since he's joined, really, has never been about his uh, attacking impetus, really. I think he, 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 runs his, he runs his socks off. He gets himself into the right areas. His goal-scoring form has been questioned, of course, and rightly so. But we saw his fantastic finish against Real Madrid in their first leg at Anfield. He scored on Wednesday night, uh, disallowed, unfortunately, against Wolves. He scored in the fixture away at Newcastle. And then on the score sheet again yesterday, he really seems to be kicking on now at Liverpool. And whilst, as I say, a lot of the criticism was warranted in terms of his final ball in front of goal. But I found that the header that he scored yesterday was fantastic. I really... I thought that was a fantastic goal of a season of a season centre forward, and I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with him, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does kick on in this Liverpool team, especially if they were to, you know, improve their own form, which looking is looking like they will. I think against Real Madrid they were fantastic, and I'll touch on that fixture in a bit when talking about the Champions the upcoming Champions League fixtures. But that they're seemingly back on track. Uh, I've said it before that with Liverpool you can never write them off in terms of. Champions League football because we saw in, in the season of 2020-21 uh, how good they were the second half of the season after an extremely poor uh, it's th I think there's, there's quite a few similarities to, to be honest with that season in terms of in injuries there's a lot of injuries to key players over that season as well but you know they got the key players back towards the end and, and they ended up finishing in the top four and I can see that happening this season 
there are still some inconsistencies in the side. They're still, I thought they were vulnerable for the 25, first 25 minutes, but it, that's always going to be the case against a strong Manchester United side, albeit poor on the day. But I am looking forward to seeing how Liverpool do kick on as the season resumes now. But elsewhere in the Premier League, a massive day at the top of the table on Saturday. Uh, we saw Manchester City beat Newcastle comfortably at home. Uh, I'll touch on Newcastle in a bit after talking about City, but um, I think City were, were brilliant again. Bernardo Silva, fantastic goal. It's one of my favourite goals from the weekend, uh, to be honest. Excellent finish from him. But this really piled the pressure on Arsenal, and we saw uh, Bournemouth racing into a two-goal lead, actually, in, the, in uh, obviously scoring the first in, I think it was seven seconds, was it? Something like that. And then uh, Marco Sonesi scoring a header in the second half. But after that, it's all I can say is that that's the stuff of champions from Arsenal. I thought, you know, I'm, it's one of those where you look back at it and it could be one of the season's defining moments for me because that's what champions do. 2-0 down, down at home and a brilliant finish, brilliant finish for the winner from Reese Nelson as well. And the, the Emirates exploded after that. It was brilliant to see. But I think that that game on Saturday is what convinces me that Arsenal will do it and Arsenal will go all the way. I just think they've got there's something about them this season where there's almost an inevitability that they will win games. And when I saw um, was it Thomas Partey who scored the, the Arsenal's first, I thought they'd get a result, maybe not go on to win it, but a two-two draw would still not have been the end of the world after the early circumstances in the game. But to go and win it, the confidence that will give them going forward, I think it's it's. As I say, it's the stuff of champions, really, and it's we've saw Manchester City do it time and time again in the past. We've seen Liverpool do it. We've seen all the great champions over the years. You have to win when not playing well. And Arsenal weren't at their best in the first 60 minutes of the game. Of course not, being 2-0 down against a poor Bournemouth side. As for Bournemouth, actually, I think, yeah, again, poor result for them. I thought they would kick on after their win against Wolves the other week, but they don't seem to have the strength throughout the squad to, to pick up results for me. But in, in terms of the relegation battle as a whole, you know, we saw uh, Everton draw 2-2 with Nottingham Forest at the City ground yesterday. Uh, we saw Leeds and West Ham both lose. And then a huge win uh, for Wolverhampton Wanderers beating Tottenham on Saturday. Uh, I'd like to note when talking about this result, of course, I'm, I'm a Wolves fan myself, uh, some of you listening may know that. So it's important to stray away from bias when talking about this. But it was a massive win uh, for Wolves on Saturday, especially with the results going their way. In a season where that hasn't happened much in terms of results going in, in their favour. I thought the first half, it wasn't the best showing from, I think, you know, Tottenham dominated the game. Tottenham were getting in behind Wolves way too easily. Uh, there was a lot of space in between the lines. And then we, but I'd like to touch on Yulan Lopetegui in this instance where, as, as I say, as a Wolves fan myself, you can see that there's a, a real top manager at the club now where he made brilliant substitutions. He went to a five at the back, which I think was the right move to do, of course, with Wolves winning the game. But it really shut out a lot of the space which Kulisevsky and Son were picking up out wide. I thought that the three centre-backs of Dawson, Collins and Kilman were brilliant together. Craig Dawson has been a, a brilliant sign and a very smart, astute piece of business by the club to bring him in. I thought the second half, as, as the game sort of carried on, you could see that Lopetegui had made the right substitutions. I thought Raul Jimenez was fantastic when he when he came on for injured Diego Costa in the first half. It was one of the best performances from Raul Jimenez I've seen in a long while. And we know before his injury, 
what what a, what a centre forward he was in terms of not just a goal scorer but an all round centre forward. And we we started to see that in his game again on Saturday, where he was getting himself in the right areas. He was linking the play with the wide men, and the partnership with Adama Traore seemed to have been have been relit that we saw a few seasons ago. But I think Lopetegui made the right substitutions, and that's at the top level of the game that 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 shows that it's evident that a manager of his experience, you know, he he makes the right calls. He you can tell he's been at the top level in in games where he might not have set the team up right from the start. There's been multiple occasions where his substitutions and his almost tactical astuteness really to make the right decisions over the course of ninety minute game of football, and that was seen. I think Wolves took control of the game in the last sort of. Half an hour. Tottenham were always dangerous. We know that with the counter-attacking threat that they possess, but their their form from the first half was it was it couldn't have been more different in the second. Uh, Nelson Semedo just narrowly uh, being an inch away from the ball to put to put the ball in. We saw him and score a goal that was offside, given offside in the end. But Traore's finish as well. The talks today I'm reading are that Traore will likely be leaving Wolves in the summer. There's been a lot of talk around his contract recently. We saw him move to Barcelona last year. That move didn't quite work out long term. He had a decent spell in his first few opening week, opening few weeks, sorry, but it never quite um, worked out for him. Only two league starts under Lopetegui, but you can see that he's a player that Lopetegui trusts him, and he his finish to the day was superb. It's something that a, a lot of fans have criticised the Dimitrioro for his his final ball and his end product, of course. But yeah, I think all round fantastic result, and especially with Results such as um, Everton's draw, Leeds, West Ham losing, and also Crystal Palace. I think Crystal Palace are dropping dangerously close to slipping into this battle now. Uh, lost 1-0 away at Aston Villa. Uh, Czech Decore got sent off, and it was an own goal by Joachim Anderson. Palace, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite worried about Palace, I must admit. As I say, I just I see them dropping into it, and I can't, you know, Leicester also losing away at Chelsea. There's a lot of... Um, I was reading a few thoughts from Leicester fans on Twitter recently. And for the life of me, I can't understand how Brendan Rodgers is still in a job, to be honest. I think from the Leicester that we all know and that we've seen over the co- the course of the last sort of four or five seasons, you know, they've been fantastic over the years. And it, it seems that that project is coming to an end now with Rodgers' rumours about players leaving in the summer, Madison's future, Telemann's future, etc., a lot of ageing players in terms of Vardy not being at the same form that he was... Up. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to factor his age into that. Uh, but as I say, Leicester are a side which, on their day, can obviously bring out brilliant performances. We've seen this season over the course of some magnificent results for the, against the likes of Tottenham, etc. But they're in they're in position now, losing to Southampton 1-0 away. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz scoring a brilliant goal, a massive result for Southampton. Uh, Ruben Sellers, then their uh, manager till the rest of the season. It, obviously, it's too early to talk about what a job, you know, it being a good job, etc. But it's you can see there's a stark difference from under Nathan Jones, where the, the the players didn't seem to buy into what Jones, what Jones's philosophy was. We, we could see it was evident. The, a few decent starts to games, for example, in the game against Wolves, where they went one nil up. But there was there was a real lack, there was a real disconnect between what the manager wanted and what was actually going on on the pitch. And then we know the behind-the-scenes issues with the fans, etc. But as I say, good result for Southampton. Uh, how, how they will fare as the season goes on, only time will tell, especially with sides around them dropping points as well. Uh, West Ham were woeful against Brighton. Of course, 
We know Roberto De Zerbi's Brighton are a fantastic, fantastic side, of course. But really poor result for West Ham. When I, I thought they would be the side to go and kick on, to be honest. Leeds, only losing 1-0 away at Chelsea, thanks to a Wesley Fofana header. But yeah, again, not the best result for them and Javi Grazia. I've seen quite a few Leeds fans on Twitter actually praising the work of Grazia since he's joined the club. And I am looking forward to seeing them as the season progresses. But the relegation battle now is is a very intriguing one because the likes of Wolves and Nottingham Forest, for example, have put themselves in a position where they can kick on and maybe even look further up the table, especially from a, a Wolves point of view with the likes of Yulin Lopetegui as, as your coach. But the sides around them keep... If, if they, to keep dropping points, for example, it could be a very tight battle until the end of the season. But overall, in the Premier League, I think it's a really interesting weekend. Of course, yesterday we saw uh, Liverpool versus Manchester United. You know, it's I, I can't believe it myself, to be honest. Um, and I did say I was going to talk about Newcastle, actually. So going back to Newcastle, since since I mean, they played that Carabao Cup semi-final against Leicester in the first leg. Was in the quarterfinal, sorry, against Leicester, wasn't it? Yet, so they beat Leicester in the first in uh, the quarterfinal. I thought they had they, they had so many chances in the first half, but I think that that first half is indicative of their form at the minute. Where whilst they beat Leicester, they really struggled in front of goal, and it was it's been the same for a number of weeks. Even against Manchester United in the cup final last week, there was an, maybe only half chances, but. Before Casemiro's header, Newcastle arguably should have been one nil up with a chance at the other end. And it seems to be a key theme for Newcastle at the moment. I think against Manchester City, they had a, a very strong period in the game. Literally just before Bernardo Silva makes the game 2-0 and puts the game to bed. And I think it's a shame for them really because whilst they've been impressive over the course of the season, they do lack real depth in terms of an overall squad. And I think... It, that'll be key next season to carry on pushing on. Of course, still a fantastic season for them, no matter where they finish this season. But yet again, it's disappointing in recent weeks, especially when consider, considering the form that they were on in the build-up to the sort of latter stages of the Carabao Cup. And it does seem to, maybe not wheels falling off. I don't think it's, I think that's too much of a stretch to go that far. But their form in front of goal recently has been very poor and they have been failing to make use of key periods in the game, such as the one the other day before Bernardo Silva's uh, goal, which did seal the game for City. A big game for them next Sunday against Wolves. Uh, I'll be there myself at St James's Park. It will be, from a Newcastle point of view, I, I don't know whether it's a must-win. You know, I need to see what their, their fans are sort of saying about this, really. But it's a chance at home against a, a mid-table side, maybe relegation-threatened side, sorry, to get three points and get yourselves back on track. But... I think Wolves have been solid defensively recently. Well, they, they were Saturday against Tottenham. Sorry, maybe not so against Liverpool last week. But I think that it's it's a key fixture for both sides, really. And I am intrigued for that. But as I say, overall in the Premier League, I think it's been a very important weekend over the course of the season. I think it's shown that Arsenal do have the metal that I think has been said in some outlets that they maybe lack. Of course, they, they lost to Manchester City earlier in the month. They, they went through a stretch of losing games. But I think the Aston Villa away performance when they won uh, 4-2 in injury time, I think that and Saturday's performance against Bournemouth show me, and I think should show everyone really, that they do have what it takes to win a title. Of course, they've still got to play Manchester City again and that will be a key fixture. But I really 
do you believe that Arsenal have what it takes? And I think it will be a fun, fascinating end to the season with both sides looking in brilliant form at the moment. And I do look forward to that fixture between them two. So moving away from the Premier League, we go over to Germany. And yet again, the title race takes another twist and another turn. I think I've spoken recent times about the likes of Union Berlin, etc. But I think last weekend's performance against Bayern, I think that was very alarming in terms of, I think that puts them massively out of it now. Uh, that they are obviously more than three points behind Bayern and Borussia Dortmund now. But I'd like I'd like to touch on Borussia Dortmund because they've all over the years they've been known on, on on Twitter and a lot of social media outlets as almost the hipsters' favourites at times where they've been impressive. They've been say for example top of the league going into the winter break and then Bayern Munich seemed to come out in the second half of the season as a completely different side. But that's not happening this year. It's been a very it was an inconsistent start to the season for Borussia Dortmund. They were f- flying high early in, in early weeks. Then went through a period where they were scoring goals, but conceding way too many. But after the World Cup break, Edin Terzic has massively, massively turned his side round. I wrote an article on the tactical analysis side of it last week on the website. So if you haven't read that, uh, feel free to go and check that out in terms of a tactical analysis as a Borussia Dortmund. But I really do think that this will be their year. And I... I don't want to jinx it at all because I think it'd be amazing to see uh, the title go back to Dortmund's their first one since 2012, I believe. Yes, 2012 under Jurgen Klopp. But they've been fantastic. They've been high energy. I think the way they 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 make use of a lot of modern tactical trends, especially with the fullbacks and the midfield is is fascinating. Royce Bellingham and uh, Sally Chan or Emre Chan, depending on the situation. I think they've been. Brilliant brilliant in the first leg against Chelsea, Karim Adeyemi's solo goal going round uh, Kepa Uthablaga. But they have so many options going forward and they've, they've been in red-hot form. And, and Friday's result against Leipzig, I think that that says it all because Leipzig, we know how good they are and how good they have been under Marco Rosa, massively turned round from uh, their time under Tedesco earlier in the season. But Friday, I think it could be a defining moment. We saw Bayern win again and they're now level on points. Uh, Dortmund and Bayern but Bayern Munich don't have the same consistency about them this season at all they don't they're still menacing we know that they're still the biggest club in the country and a massive game against Paris Saint-Germain upcoming this week but I think that I just don't see the same consistent Bayern that we know is there we've, we've seen it time after time every year that they always come out in the second half of the season and They'll go on a 10-game winning streak and then win the league by 10 points. It's it's always been the way. But lost last week to Borussia Mönchengladbach, which gave Dortmund the opportunity to go level on points with them. Uh, they were top of the table momentarily, uh, Borussia Dortmund, but yeah, then again, Bayern won, did win the day after. But against Stuttgart, I believe, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Stuttgart. Anyway, uh, I digress. But um, yeah, they don't they don't seem to have the same consistency about them this season at all. Whether there's been quite a few questions within the fan base about Julian Nagelsmann's future, is he the man to take Bayern forward? I think he has a lot of brilliant tactical ideas, but I think his youth as a coach is often shown at times in that he often can prioritise style over results at times. And I think that's been evident at times for Bayern Munich fans who have called that out on social media. But I really believe that I can just see Dortmund doing it. I think Freiburg and Jan Berlin, the likes of those of 
falling out of the race now. It's a shame, of course, but uh, we, we all wanted the uh, underdog story of Union Berlin to go on and win the Bundesliga this season. But, you know, it was... it was. I felt like it was an inevitability that they were going to fall off at some point. Obviously, they're still in the fight for Champions League, still in European competition this season. So it is still a massive season for the club, which were on its knees just a number of years ago, really. And, you know, it's remarkable to see. And it's all it's the stories that we all love as a football fan to see a club that has been through as much as Union Berlin to obviously succeed at the top level. But I think it's between Dortmund and Bayern now. And I can just say, I, I think, I feel like it's, it almost feels, I don't know, it feels like a little written in the stars that Edin Terzic will see his side go all the way. A side that were extremely inconsistent in the first half of the season that is really knuckled, knuckled down with his side and they're a winning side. They've improved defensively while still not perfect. Uh, Nico Schlotterbeck has been fantastic alongside Nicholas Schuler. Uh, Guerrero, fantastic at fullback, Marius Wolf. Uh, Jude Bellingham, of course, the, the almost star man in this Borussia Dortmund side. Fantastic yet again all season long. I just I can see it happening and the sensational return of Sebastian Allaire. Uh, it gives them a real, real focal point up front now, which they, they did lack earlier on in the season. Anthony Modest, obviously an ageing player, we know that. And Adiemi and Mukoko, sorry, are not um obviously we know the, the youth of them both. Then they haven't got the same experience and the same sort of astuteness of how to be a top-level centre-forward yet, which is which is inevitable. And Adeyemi's been fantastic since he's been shifted out onto the left wing. I think he's been direct. He's been, he's been one of my favourite players to watch, especially against Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea will be disappointed they didn't win that game. I think Jean-Felix missed a, a good few opportunities. But I will touch on that in a bit when talking about the Champions League. But um, in terms of elsewhere in the Bundesliga, we saw a huge win for Schalke this weekend. Aside that I said on the first episode of the podcast, actually, that we're down and out. But they've, they've got, had a few decent results in the last few weeks. A nil-nil draw away at Union Berlin, which for a side struggling, you know, you know, you can't knock that whatsoever. And then a fantastic win at the weekend does see them go level on points with Hoffenheim now. I'm intrigued as to whether they can stay up. Uh, but I, it's a side that you don't want to see drop down. And I think we, we've seen what can happen to sides who do drop down into the second division. We've seen Hamburg go through years of struggle since. I did have one season back in the Bundesliga, but obviously back down to the second division now. And yeah, it's one of those where Schalke are a huge club. Champions League contestants in, in recent times, we've seen them travel to the likes of the Bernabeu and the Etihad, places all across Europe. And they're a side that are way, way too big to be in the second division. But of course... No side is ever, no side ever has a right to to play top level football, and they quite frankly have been abysmal at times in the last couple of seasons, and they do seem to be turning the corner. I am looking forward to seeing if they can stay up, but it will be it will be uh, tight with Hoffenheim going towards the end of the season and the likes of Hertha Berlin, two massive clubs in Schalke and Hertha Berlin really, but I I, I can't call it. But I think yet again massive result for them. But I think the title race itself, as I say, I'll have to see what the thoughts are on social media about that in terms of who who will go all the way. I'm interested to know listeners' thoughts as well in terms of who you think will win the Bundesliga title this year. I just I don't know whether it's the hope 
because it always is the hope that kills you at the end of the season. But it, it would it'd be something that would be amazing to see, to finally see somebody break the era of Bayern Munich dominance. And Borussia Dortmund as well, a side that have been amazing to watch. It would be fantastic to see them lift that trophy at the end of the season, I must admit. So we are now on to the part of the episode where we are looking forward to all of the upcoming Champions League fixtures. So I think the best place to start is probably by looking back at the first legs. I think the best place to start with that is probably Liverpool and Real Madrid, where it was a strange game. I think Liverpool were fantastic the first 25 minutes, looked much like their older selves. Brilliant to see Darwin Nunez on the score sheet. Of course, you have to factor in uh, goalkeeping errors from Thibaut Courtois, but yet again, it, it was like watching the Liverpool of old at times, but we say it every single year that you, you can't, you, you simply can't write Real Madrid off in European competitions. I think, you know, they were, as soon as that, the goal from Vinicius Jr. went in, a brilliant goal, by the way, poor defender from Joe Gomez, I've seen that call out on Twitter, but I think Madrid were excellent. Vinicius at the heart of things, scoring uh, his first and then scoring the equaliser thanks to a very poor decision-making from Alisson. But, um, I think once it was 2-2, it, it felt like there'd be no, there was no way that Liverpool were going to go on to win the game. I think Modric was at the heart of things. You know, For a 37-year-old, I've never seen somebody, such a willing runner at that stage of his career. Brilliant ball balling for Eda Militao's goal. And then key in a Karim Benzema's goal. Brilliant, 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 brilliant play from Modric. Uh, carried the ball superbly. And you also have to factor in that they were... Missing key players as well, uh, Tony Kroos and Shoemeni both being out. But the midfield was fantastic. Kamavinga was everywhere. He's been criticised by Madrid fans since his since his ten, since his time there. Sorry, I think there, there's obviously a, a world class player in in Eduardo Kamavinga that will be unlocked. But it is just a case of unlocking that at the minute at his stage in, a, in his career. Obviously, a very very young player. Uh, Federico Valverde, excellent. Karim Benzema, back to his best following time out on the sidelines. But I thought Madrid were brilliant. And I can't... I know Carlo Ancelotti has tried to play down his side by saying that the tie is still not over. But at the Bernabeu, I can't see anything other than Madrid going through comfortably, to be perfectly honest. Elsewhere for Premier League sides in the Champions League, there were struggles all round, really. Uh, we saw Chelsea and Tottenham, the two London clubs, lose away uh, to Dortmund and Milan. So I think I, I touched on the Chelsea game earlier. I thought there was a few chances from João Felix that they should have scored. A few other, a few other half chances over the course of the game. But I thought I couldn't see Borussia Dortmund winning it after how impressive Chelsea were at times. João Felix at the heart of things, as he has been since he since he signed for the club. Really, I think he's been their best player by a country mile, always picking up brilliant pockets of space. Maybe we've seen his goal against West Ham. Yet to real find proper goal-scoring form, but that's just indicative of Chelsea as a whole. I do believe Tottenham, yet again, poor away at Milan. Not the best of games from both sides. I thought both sides were poor. and it's it. Yet again, shows their seasons, to be honest. I think I said in um, the preview I did a few weeks ago for these fixtures that both sides are massively inconsistent. Milan look nothing like the reigning champions that they are. Yet again, lost this weekend, as did Tottenham. But it, it wasn't the best of games at San Siro. 
and I can't really, I can't say it's a game that I'm looking forward to watching, but I wouldn't put it past Tottenham scoring a few goals, scoring a handful of goals against Milan, who yet again are in poor form. But so are Tottenham. So, as I say, it's a, it's a very difficult game to call, really, because at San Siro, both sides were extremely poor. But it's very indicative of, of both of their seasons. We saw Manchester City 1-1 away at Leipzig. City were brilliant early on, uh, very fluid, very confident. And then ended up benefiting, benefiting from a stray pass. Riyad Mahrez, first-time strike. Grealish, I think Grealish was key in that game. I think he's been brilliant in recent weeks, Jack Grealish. I think whilst he's took, he's took some slack for his lack of numbers in terms of goals and assists, which I think is warranted. He's been, he's been at the heart of things for City. He was key in there. Obviously, they lost away at Tottenham a few weeks ago, but he was the best player on the pitch for Manchester City. I thought he was sort, it was a sort of poison challenge for him, really, because City's whole game plan was getting the ball out to Grealish and there was never any bodies forward with him. They, they lacked any sort of movement from midfield. And a lot of things that have been good about Manchester City recently have come through Jack Grealish. And I think that's nice to see. Uh, Jack Grealish, a very likeable uh, person. I think a lot of people have seen his interviews and I think you can see that he's a proper down-to-earth uh, footballer, really. And I think it's nice to see Jack Grealish do well. But, yep, City benefited from, from the stride pass. Leipzig were very organised before the goal. But Marco Rosa would have been extremely, extremely disappointed to see his side concede a goal like that. But in the second half, I think they were fantastic, uh, Leipzig were. Uh, there was an excellent ball from uh, Halstenberg, met by Josko Gvardiol, who did put his side uh, level. But I thought they were brilliant. They showed a much, the, the, their intensity was much better. The attacking impetus was better, I think. And they had that sort of front four with Sabosloy, Werner and Kunku and Andre Silva. And they were much, much better in the second half. Uh, Christopher and Kunku back from injury after spending some time on the sidelines before the World Cup. He was key. I don't. I still don't know whether his move to Chelsea has been confirmed yet or not, because there's been... Fabrizio Romano has obviously said that it's happening. We've seen a lot of sources say that it's all it's all but done. But I've never, I haven't actually seen an official confirmation. Unless I've just missed that completely, I don't know. But he was brilliant when he came on for Leipzig. Brilliant to see him back on the pitch. It will be a tough game at the Etihad. We know how City... City played recently and it's always a difficult match at the Etihad they would probably feel they could have made more of the match away at, at home sorry to maybe get them a goal a goal or two up going into a game at the Etihad because we know City can be free scoring at times but it's not the end of the world a 1-1 draw against arguably one of the best sides in the world so I think Leipzig won't be too disappointed in that uh, elsewhere in the Champions League, we saw Napoli comfortably dispatch at Eintracht Frankfurt. It uh, wasn't his best performance on the night, but Kvitsa Kvaratskhelia was fantastic and at the heart of things. Brilliant backheel assist for Di Lorenzo's goal. And uh, Oliver Glasner's side do face a huge uphill battle in Naples for the second leg. Obviously 2-0 down and Randall Kolomuani, who's been their star man this season and been so lethal for them in front of goal and in terms of assists and creativity. He did get sent off, so he will miss that game through suspension. Uh, Napoli actually lost for the first time in the long while the other day as well. Uh, Matthias Vecino scoring a fantastic volley uh, for Lazio against Napoli. If you haven't seen that goal, I recommend you go and check it out. Fantastic uh, half volley. Flew past the goalkeeper and I, it was fantastic. But yeah, Napoli lost, not in obviously 
you can't question their form because they're, they're top of the league and 15 points clear at the top of the league. But whether that will have an effect going into the Frankfurt game, I don't know. But I do see them going comfortably through, especially with Frankfurt missing Kolo Morani. We know they can still be dangerous. They do still have dangerous players. Daichi Kamada, fantastic footballer. One of my favourite players in the Bundesliga, actually. Uh, his move to Borussia Dortmund is confirmed for the summer. Brilliant signing for Dortmund, by the way. But as I say, Frankfurt do have, dan- do have danger men in the side. But whether they can get the best out of them away, at, away in Naples is a completely different story. We see Bayern Munich uh, play Paris Saint-Germain at the, Allian- the Allianz Arena, carrying a 1-0 lead. Uh, they were a better side, were the better side by a margin throughout the game until the substitute of Kylian Mbappe come on. He did believe to have got on the score sheet, but Nuno Mendes was ruled just narrowly offside for Mbappe's believed equaliser. Uh, Bayern will be favourites at home, but you can never rule out Paris Saint-Germain when fully fit. Neymar did go off injured uh, in this weekend's fixture, so what impact that will have on the side. But I think he's been quite poor recently, to be honest. And the, the onus has very much been on Mbappe and Messi in recent weeks, obviously following his fantastic free kick in the last minute against Lille at home. But I'm looking forward to this fixture. I think, as I say, Bayern have been inconsistent. Paris Saint-Germain have got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at the minute in terms of possible fallouts with directors, etc. Neymar are rumoured to be leaving. The constant talk of Mbappe moving to Real Madrid. None of it helps going into a difficult tie away at the Allianz Arena, of course. We saw Benfica eased past Brugge 2-0 away from home. And I think it would be comfortable for them uh, back at home in Lisbon against Brugge. Scott Parker... Uh, Rumoured to be on his way out of Belgium already after a very poor spell. I think it was the wrong the wrong choice to go for Parker, really. We've seen he's never really established himself in the Premier League, never mind at European level. A side who believe they should be winning and fighting for trophies back in Belgium as well. Been very poor domestically. And whilst they had a good start to the season in terms of European campaign, they've been extremely poor and were against Benfica. Benfica are, are a good side, we know that. And Roger Schmidt's got a very good setup there. But Benfica were comfortable and I see them as in, in pole position to go through to the quarterfinals. We've seen fellow Portuguese side Porto lose 1-0 away at Inter thanks to a late goal from Romelu Lukaku. Inter aren't out of sight going into the second leg. But uh, Porto are without Otavio. But it's in, probably, yeah, it's a, it's a key miss for them really. They do have other, they do have other good, good players such as Taremi for example. But I can't see them getting a result against Inter. I think Inter have been in brilliant form recently, very consistent. Lautaro Martinez really taking the, ma- the mantle of a leader in this side at the moment. Lukaku hoping to get back into form following some injury doubts this season. But we know how loud Porto fans can be. We know how they can get the Estadio de Dragao rocking on Champions League nights and they can obviously cause uh, internationally problems but I can't see it over the course of a 90-minute match of football, especially without the, the likes of Otavio. But yet again, you, you never know in the Champions League. But I'm looking forward to it, really. I think some some nice fixtures coming up in the Europa League as well. Uh, we'll touch on them in the coming weeks. But overall, it's been a, a very exciting week of football and we've got some brilliant fixtures coming up this week. We see the Champions League back this week. We've got some excellent fixtures across Europe coming up. Uh, All of that will be on the podcast next week, as well as on the website and on social media. So any updates on there. And as always, 
send any recommend any recommendations, any questions about the podcast, etc. Possible guests, please feel free to get in touch via email or Instagram. I hope to see you all next week, where we will be debriefing all of the weekend's results, as well as hopefully some tasty Champions League fixtures coming this week.